Om Jnanat Mirandasya Yananjana Shalakaya Chakshonatanjena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Hello and welcome to our latest episode of Seeking the Essence. I am currently still here on the outskirts of Austin, Texas. It's a beautiful, warm, cool evening, gentle rain, beautiful sunsets. And today, one of my good friends here took myself and some friends out for a hike, and we were kind of exploring this dried up, rocky waterbed, and we climbed up to a, quite a beautiful height, and we saw a beautiful view um, throughout Austin. And one of the things that my friend mentioned was how rocks, they take millions of years to form, and, and how you know so many millions of years ago, Actually, all the land of Texas was under sea, underwater. And we came across many interesting different stones with different textures and shapes. And, and so this really had me thinking, and it reminded me of one explanation given by one of our gurus, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, who was very active in the first half of the 1900s. And he gave this very interesting analysis of the gradation of consciousness because the Vedas, the ancient scriptures of India, they recognize consciousness everywhere. There's nowhere that consciousness is not, you know, not even, not just plant life, animal life, but even within immobile forms of life, you know, existent entities such as, you know, rocks, mountains, trees. So really had me thinking about, you know, what kind of an existence that would be to exist in the form of a rock for so many millions of years. And also was causing me to reflect on the value of the human birth, how precious it is. In the Vedas, the human birth, it's, it's you know, there are repeated reminders of how valuable this is. There's one verse, um, Sanskrit verse expressing that if you don't take advantage of this, of this human form of life to pursue your real goal, which is spiritual enlightenment, spiritual realization, you're as good as committing suicide. The Vedas mention in several places that there are 8,400,000 species of life. And modern scientists, they're catching up to that. You know, the, the numbers on their list are growing. Um, of course, that number is an estimate. Um, but there are you know, so many species of life. And, and the soul has to work through all of these existences, all of these life forms before they can reach the human birth. And so it is considered so precious. And why? Because in this birth, we have this facility of developed consciousness so that we can pursue our spiritual potential. In other life forms, the consciousness is more suppressed. So we don't have that facility. So this is what actually distinguishes us from animals. And this is why we have to value this. It's short. The human birth, human lifespan is relatively short, especially if we think, you know, compared to, Trees, stones, as I was mentioning, you know, actually a hundred years, which is considered a pretty long life, that's not so long in the consideration of infinite time. 
But there was going back to what I was starting out with, there's this analysis given by our teacher, Bhakti Vinod Thakur. He was a brilliant scholar and Bengali man who worked for the British government and very highly respected man in his time. And he worked to reestablish the dignity of these teachings of divine love, the Prema Dharma, that were given by Lord Chaitanya, which are discussed throughout the ancient scriptures of India. And so one of one discussion which he presented was this analysis of different levels of consciousness, a gradation of consciousness. And our Guru, Srila Govinda Maharaj, he really appreciated this, especially as a young man, he said, when he first encountered these teachings. This was something that really attracted him, was really meaningful to him. And he actually published his own um, small booklet, which took an excerpt um, from this discussion on the gradation of consciousness. And so in this discussion, Bhakti Vinod, he presents the levels of consciousness in five principal categories. Um, and so he discusses how there's consciousness everywhere, as I mentioned, but it's just a question of how much it is manifest, how much it is showing itself. The soul by nature is fully conscious, right? The soul by nature, the atma, is sat, chit, and ananda. Eternal, conscious, joyful. So consciousness is a part of our spiritual DNA. But the more that we are covered by matter, the dull material energy, the more that consciousness becomes obscured. And so the lowest in this analysis is called achadita chaitan, achadita chaitana, which means covered consciousness. And this, so this, and there's also a spectrum there. So on the lower end of the spectrum, there are you know rocks, mountains, metals like gold, silver, bronze, all of these things. And then also, and then higher in the spectrum, there plant life is also included there. So, you know, plants, trees, and so on. You know, there's consciousness present, but it is, it's covered. It's not showing itself. And one point, interesting point, which our guru mentioned is that movement is a symptom of consciousness. So one way we can appreciate this analysis is by observing how you know, the more freedom entities have to move, the more there is an, an expression of consciousness, awakened consciousness. So this is the lowest in this um, discussion of these five different levels, achadita chaitan, covered consciousness. And then the next level, it is sankuchita chaitan, or, or chaitana, sankuchita chaitan, which means suppressed consciousness. And this refers to animals in, in general, you know, that there's more evolved, more expression of consciousness that is present within animal life. And our Gurudev, he mentioned when, when our Gurudev was discussing this on one occasion, he gave one very nice example of how we can see there is there's truly consciousness and even, you know, some some feeling of compassion, you know, feeling that is some, sometimes comes close to the human level, or even sometimes you may feel more than, 
than humans. Sometimes humans are less than animals. That is, unfortunately, that is the case. But our Gurudev mentioned one very nice example how our Gurudev, he liked to watch nature and wildlife shows. And, and he mentioned how he observed in one show that he watched how there was a, a lion that was pursuing a herd of deer. And there was one mother deer who had one of her babies with her. And so she was kind of, you know, lagging behind the group because she was trying to protect her baby. And, and you know, you could say, you know, I mean, that, that is appreciable. You know, that is appreciable. That's showing something, right? That the mother is has this feeling bond with her child. But you could also just put it down to instinct, right? But then this next point, you know, you can't put it down to instinct. This is something more. So then what happened as this, you know, recording continued, our Guru Day was watching, he observed how, you know, this mother was lagging behind and there's this lioness pursuing them. And the whole herd is getting away, but the mother is behind because she's with the baby, trying to protect the baby. And then the lion reaches a point where she could leap and devour that deer and her baby. But, but then at a certain point, the lion, uh, the lion initially was just looking at that mother deer. But as the lion got closer, the lion observed that there was this baby deer present. And then the lion paused. And it was as if there was some you know, inner conflict, inner decision that was taking place. And finally, that lion decided, you know, it, it, it let, let it go, let the prey go, did not pursue that deer. And so our Gurudev, he, he expressed that, you know, his feeling was that that lion was observing and considering, you know, it would be very unkind to kill this mother deer protecting her baby. And this is not like fair, fair game. So the, the lion felt, had some feeling of honor in that situation. So it's a, it's a very nice example. And there are so many others, you know, I've come across in the news sometimes different stories of, uh, you know, I came across one about kangaroos and this deep bond of love between this pair of kangaroos. And, you know, we hear stories sometimes of these, you know, so many stories about dogs and their owners, you know. So we see, you know, this um, almost, you know, almost reaching human level of, of um, you know, feeling and, a, and attachment. So anyhow, so this is the, the next in this discussion, uh, sankuchita, suppressed consciousness. And then the third category of consciousness discussed by Bhaktivinoda, mukulita, mukulita chaitan means budding consciousness. Consciousness is more developed. And this is referring to, now this is entering the human sphere. These last three categories are discussing human level of consciousness. And so there's mukulita chetan, budding consciousness. There's also spectrum here. But in general, it refers to humans who... They live almost like animals, you know, anim on a, they're living on an animalistic level. And primarily that means they don't have any higher consciousness, spiritual or even may not even be moral sense. It's also mentioned in the Vedas, the four 
principal activities of every living entity, ahara, nidra, vaya, maitunam, cha. No eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. And this is these are characteristics that we find across the board within animal species and within human forms of life. And so it is mentioned, you know, if human life doesn't go beyond that, then what is really the difference, you know, between human life and the animal life? You know, the human life is meant for, obviously, we may not be able to avoid these characteristics, but there should be plus something more. And so if there's not, then we are basically living on the level of, of animals. So this is the third category mentioned, mukulita chetan, budding consciousness. And then there is vikashita chetan, the fourth category, means blossoming consciousness, where the, the spiritual nature is becoming more manifest. And there's also a spectrum here. You know, Srila Sridhar Maharaj, one of our gurus, he mentioned how, you know, on the lower end of the spectrum, there may be persons who have faith, but they don't have so much morality. And they may do many random things in the name of a higher power. And then there's also the other way around, persons who may have a great deal of morality, a great sense of morality, but they don't have any belief in, in, in a higher power. They don't have any belief in the divinity. And, and Srila Sridhar Maharaj, he also mentioned this concept of imaginary theism. You know, and he also referenced, as an example, the French philosopher Comte, you know, who discussed how religion may be a useful means by which the people can be regulated. <laughs> you know, faith in God is something that can scare, you know, in other words, is something that can scare people into doing the right thing, right? And there's also that famous comment of Freud that religion is the opium of the masses, right? And so there, you know, there may also be that idea that, and no doubt this is something that has been used, sadly, throughout the ages. Religion, or, you know, the God-fearing mentality has been used as something to manipulate and control people. So this is on the, you know, far lower end of the spectrum here. Um, and then, then moving up, you know, higher in the spectrum, persons who have some genuine, you know, deeper faith in God and are the divine, some higher being, and they are trying to regulate their life according to that. You know, it may not be something that has captured their whole being, it may not be that they're overwhelmed in love and ecstatic bliss and the divine, but they have some firm faith. They have some sense of dharma, you know, the path, duty, the way, the truth, and they are trying to follow that, regulate their life according to that, according to higher principles. And then finally, purnavikashita chaitana. This is the, the highest expression of conscience, the full, purnavikashita literally means, you know, fully blossomed consciousness and this is this means the soul who's living in full awareness full consciousness of their you know loving divine guardian and they are living in a relationship of love you know, 
and you know that ultimately we we believe to be Krishna. And why? Because Krishna allows for the most intimate and close approach of the finite towards the infinite. You know, here in 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 connection with Krishna, it is possible to have a whole-hearted loving exchange. Because we believe that our whole self cannot be fully, we cannot fully express ourselves unless it is through love. And that must be in connection with the infinite. Because that is our our natural place. You know, that is our that is our nature, that is our innate being. You know, as fish are happy in water, as birds are happy flying in the sky. You know, so we as souls, as jivatmas, as living souls, we are happy in a relationship of love with our divine, original, supreme source, whom we worship as, as Sri Krishna. And for someone who's reached this highest stage of consciousness, Purnavikashi to Chaitan, you know, fully blossomed consciousness, you know, their relationship is God, with God, it's not something that they practice, it's not like it's a religion. In the ordinary sense of the word, you know, not like you know, we go to church, we go to the temple, you know, once a week, or or we have particular rituals and practices we follow, or we're trying to like remind ourselves, you know, to do the right thing, you know, we have to remind ourselves to chant, we have to make a schedule, put timers on our phone, right? You know, and in Sanskrit, the word for this is sadhana. You know, sadhana means like the daily practice. You know, it means, it also, one meaning of the word is struggle. You know, so it means something that we are, you know, trying to practice for our upliftment. But on some level, we're also resisting that lower nature within ourselves. You know, this is, this is sadhana. Our Gurudev, he gave a very nice definition, which I appreciate. He said, sadhana means that which we don't want to do. <laughs> we will happily do that which we don't want to do we will happily do this is the definition of of sadhana you know, because we all have that lower nature and we have that higher nature and maybe sometimes we have to give some food you know to that monkey within us to keep it quiet you know we have to give some food to that lower nature but we don't that's not the end of the story right you know we're also trying to give attention to that higher nature, to feed and to support, to nourish that higher nature. That's where the, that's the real conclusion of the story. That's the real narrative, right? It's all about how we're framing things, right? So that's the narrative. We are eternal beings. We have this bright, high potential. And by, by trying to follow the recommended practices of devotion, and we we will ma- we will make it right. We will get there in the right company. You know, we will get there. We will make it by the grace of the divine, the saints. You know, we will make it. So for souls like us, we have to have, to some degree, this kind of regulated spiritual practice. But for those on this highest level of consciousness, it's all natural, just like the heart beats. You know, so they're feeling this natural, loving relationship with the divine and engaging in this beautiful reciprocation with the divinity, with God, with Krishna. Sometimes I like to give the example of the difference between the loving relationship that a mother has with her child 
and a hired nanny, right? You know, a, a hired nanny will have to be given a list of do's and don'ts. But the mother just knows all these things instinctively. Why? Because there's this deep bond of love. You know, So now in our current stage of evolution, we need to have these practices, regulations, which we're trying to follow as much as we can. But for those on the highest stage of enlightenment, it's all natural, it's all beautiful, it's all sweet at every step. And we will get there. We are hopeful of that. It is our birthright. It is our own wealth. It is our own gift. We just have to do some mining, right? We have to do some work to uncover those layers. But we will get there. I'm going to sign out here for today. I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. Wishing you all a spiritually nourishing week ahead. Jaya Shri Day. Anchakalpa Trubhyascha Nipa Sindhu Bhyevacha Patitanam Pavanibhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namaha <laughs>